And I believe that God is speaking to us through certain signs that are taking place. So we're going to be going back to Matthew chapter 24. And uh, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us a number of signs. Signs that, that are helping us to identify the nearness of his return. And I'm going to focus on this verse again in Matthew 24, 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There are 32, currently, 32 armed conflicts taking place around the world as I speak. And 32 of them, and, and there's a war, wars and rumors of wars. And we're seeing, are we seeing the sign that Jesus revealed here in Matthew chapter 24? Are we seeing this come to pass? And if so, if we believe these are signs and God is speaking to us through these signs, are we heeding the warning of those signs? Are we responding with repentance? Are we responding with greater devotion? Are we responding with a greater commitment towards fulfilling the Great Commission? The current conflict between Israel and Hamas has the world on edge. And why is this conflict different? There are 32 armed conflicts taking place. Why is this one so different? Why is this one caused so much tension? I mean, if a firecracker goes off in Jerusalem and they think it's a gunshot, the world hears it. But yet you can have shootings and murders, all kinds of things happen in our own nation and nobody hears a thing. It's amazing why there's such a focus on this little piece of the world. Israel doesn't possess any abundance of natural resources. It's not positioned in a way that provides any type of military or strategic advantage. It, it really, when you look at it, 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 why would anybody want that piece of ground? Why, why would anybody want to fight over that piece of ground? In reality, the war in Ukraine ought to be more, causing more tension than it is. I mean, think about this. Putin has already said that he has a desire to restore the glory of the former Soviet Union. For some of us who are old enough to remember what that means, it's not a good thing. Ukraine was once part of the Soviet Union. Putin has stated that he wants to restore all those republics back to the Soviet Union. And Ukraine is, is just the opposite of Israel. Ukraine is rich in resources. Ukraine is vital to commerce, vital to transportation. It, it provides a strategic advantage. But the, world, the war between Israel and Hamas, that conflict is starting to grow a global tension. And Hamas is, is a jihadi faction that governs the Palestinian Authority and in Gaza. And jihadi groups like ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, they exist to do this. One reason... They wage war against the enemies of Islam. If you are a Christian, you are an enemy of Islam. These groups view the United States as the great Satan and Israel as the little Satan. And jihadi groups have one goal, the destruction of the United States, the destruction of Israel, or our submission to Islam and the observance of Sharia law. As it exists, there cannot be a peaceful solution with Hamas because Hamas doesn't want peace. It wants the destruction of the Jews. Now, there are biblical reasons why such a small piece of land, remember, it is roughly the size of the state of New Jersey. We're not talking about a big piece of ground, the, the, the nation of Israel. Why has this nation been fought over so many times? I looked it up, and Jerusalem has been attacked 52 times throughout history. Jerusalem has been captured and recaptured 44 times. It has been besieged 23 times, and it has been leveled to the ground twice. Jerusalem is, is an important place on this map, but really it should, it's really insignificant, insignificant in two respects of our human thinking. 
Why has this place been fought over so many times throughout its history? And here's why. One day, Jesus will return to the earth, and from Jerusalem, he will bring peace to the nations that will last for a thousand years. And prior to the millennial reign of Christ, Satan will attempt to set himself up in Jerusalem to be worshipped. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 3, pay careful attention to these two verses. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The Greek word for falling away is apostasy or apostasy. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God so that is, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, before Satan tries to exalt himself in Jerusalem, verse 3 mentions that there is a great falling away that will take place first. The church will become apostate. And while God himself will, re, will, will have a remnant for himself, the church will become compromised. And church, let's be honest, that compromise has already begun. There is a falling away taking place. You know, 63% of Americans today identify as Christian. As good as that sounds, just 50 years ago, 90% of Americans identified as Christian. And we understand this. Of that 63% and of that 90%, not all of them were Christian. The, The great falling away is already taking place. It's already begun. And if our continues to go, if our country continues to go down this trend, it won't be long before Jesus steps out of eternity into this world and calls his bride back home. Once the falling away takes place, the remnant is caught away, Satan will then exalt himself in the temple, which will be rebuilt in Jerusalem one day, and there he wants to be worshipped. Now this has been Satan's desire since the beginning. He has had this in his heart from his very, the very beginning of his rebellion. And if you really want to look at the rebellious nature of Satan, his desire, all you have to do is look in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Here is his, his desire exposed. Listen to this. For you have said in your heart... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And here it is. I will be like the most high. Satan wanted to be seated on throne in heaven so that he could be worshipped like the most high. Satan obviously failed to achieve that goal and he was banished from heaven. And on earth, Satan seeks that desire to be fulfilled. His desire is that he wants to be worshipped. And that's why there's so much tension over Jerusalem. The prophet Micah prophesied about the millennial reign of Christ. How Christ will one day rule from Jerusalem. And remember, it was Micah who prophesied 700 years before Christ where Christ would be born. Now he's looking beyond that into a millennial reign of Christ. And this is what he says, Micah chapter 4, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and the peoples shall flow to it. Many nations will come and say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, which is Jerusalem, the mountain on which it sits, for out of Zion, the law shall go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Micah tells us about this day when the Messiah will lead the world in peace. For a time that we refer to as the millennial kingdom of Christ, a thousand years from Zion, from Jerusalem. Currently, there is a war taking place, and I mentioned this to put it in perspective. Israel, Jerusalem specifically, is vitally important spiritually. But to put this into perspective, you know, currently there is a war in Sudan. I didn't know there was a war in Sudan. Six months been at war. 10,000 people have died. One million people displaced. Now think about that for a second. Sudan is the third largest country in Africa. It has 45 million people. Sudan is rich with natural resources. It has gold, it has uranium, chromite, gypsum, mica, marble, iron ore. It is abundantly rich in natural resources. It has 85 times the size of land than Israel. It has five times greater the population than Israel. The war in Sudan also involves a militant Muslim insurgency. Why is the war in Sudan not causing the same problems as the war in Israel? Here's why Jerusalem isn't located in Sudan. You know, Sudan, if you look up in the Bible, is called Cush. If you ever read about Cush in the Old Testament, this is the same place. But Jesus isn't coming back to Cush. He's coming back to Jerusalem, and there he will establish his kingdom. See, Jerusalem is the place where, where Jesus will sit on his throne and rule the nations in peace. You know, Israel is nothing more than a miracle. It's a miracle because in 586 B.C., 586 B.C. is the last time it was a sovereign nation with its own ruler, its own king, 586 years before Christ. It ceased to exist as a sovereign nation. For 2,500 years, the Jews have lived in their land subject to Gentile kings and Gentile nations. But in 1948, we understand that that the Jews proclaimed themselves a sovereign nation, and they became a sovereign nation miraculously. No other nation in history has ever ceased to exist as a sovereign nation and then suddenly become a sovereign nation once again. You can Google that question. The answer comes up, Israel. It's the only one. It's amazing. It's truly a miracle. A a nation that once ceased to be, and then for 2,500 years, it becomes a sovereign nation again. Why is that? Because God promised that land to Abraham and his descendants as an everlasting possession. No Bible-believing Christian should ever dismiss the importance of Israel, specifically Jerusalem in the last days. In 1948, you know, the United States became the first nation in the world to recognize Israel. The very first. Immediately after it was recognized, it came under attack. And it came under attack from Egypt, from Jordan, from Syria, from Lebanon, and also it had contingents from Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Yemen. Do you know these are the same people that have organized under the, under the banner of Hamas? When you think of Hamas, you think, well, these are all Gazans. They're not all Gazans. You know, not all, not all the people living in Gaza are Hamas. Hamas is a jihadi political group. And when they came into power, they invited all their little jihadi friends from around the region to come in and do this, to destroy Israel. That has been their goal. 
You know, on college campuses around our nation, students are protesting against Israel. And they're repeating this phrase, uh, from the river to the sea. Have you heard this? Now, most of these, I think, ignorantly chant this. They don't understand what they're saying. But that is a jihadi phrase that started in the Middle East. And what it means is from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, that is Israel, the width of it, from the, Jordan, from the river to the sea, clear of all Jews, by death, by destruction, by removal. No Jews in the land. Each of those protesters that are chanting that should be charged with a hate crime. You can say freedom of speech. Well, freedom of speech does not allow you to be anti-Semitic and, and, and have a hate crime. In our nation, Jews make up 2% of the population. 2%. But you know, they, are, they account for 50% of our nation's hate crimes. Most of the, con- the protests that's occurring on our college campuses are fueled by lies that are just communicated through social media like TikTok. And most of the students protesting against Israel do so ignorantly. But ignorance is no, no excuse for anti-Semitism. And anti-Semitism, ignorance of that, is exactly what led to the death of six million Jews during the Holocaust. May I remind you this, that Jesus is a Jew, that he is not a European, that he is God in Jewish flesh. How can we be anti-Semitic against a Savior who is Jewish? I'm afraid we're not taking the signs seriously. Unfortunately, Scripture predicts that in the last days, people would not take signs seriously. 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished by uh, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now reserved by that same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly man. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. People have doubted the imminent return of Christ for a long time now. He's been talking about, we've been talking about this for 2,000 years. Where is Jesus? He said he was coming soon. And and Scripture gives us an interesting point to consider. A day for us is different than a day in in the eyes of the Lord. A thousand years is different. And it doesn't mean that a thousand years are equal to a day. Don't do that. That's not what the Bible is trying to communicate. It's just simply God's understanding of time is different than our understanding of time. From God's perspective, Jesus hasn't been gone long. But I can remind you of this. He is coming soon. That is a promise from Scripture. Don't turn a blind eye to the signs that we're seeing. They're, they're among us. God is speaking to us through these signs. I hope we are listening. See, God is full of grace. God is long-suffering towards sinners. And because of this desire, he wants all to come to repentance. But D- Jesus tarries for this reason. It's not like God is just waiting in heaven. Jesus is waiting for heaven so he can come back and just wipe out people. That's not the desire. God's desire is not to throw the wrath of God upon uh, sinners who deserve the wrath of God. That's, that's not his heart. His heart is that all escape that. 
It's his grace and his mercy that keeps a, a soon return in our eyes. If America abandons Israel or stands in the way of Israel, Babylon will fall. When Jesus returns to set up his millennial kingdom, America will have assumed one or two positions. Really, this is all that's, that's, that scripture allows for. See, there's two perspectives that we can take upon our nation. When Christ returns, America has assumed two positions, one or two. Either we have collapsed and we have fallen ourselves prior to the return of Christ, or we will, if we are in existence, will fall in with the rest of the world and we will oppose Israel. I pray that our president will continue to stand firm with Israel. Now, I have no problem saying this, and I don't really care. I'm not a fan of the man, but he's our president. And right now, I will say this. He has stood firm with Israel, and praise God for that. And you can criticize certain things, and that's fine, but he's still standing with Israel, and so is the administration. So praise God for that, and we should continue to pray for this man and our government. I hope we're seeing the seriousness of the current conflict in Israel. Again, there are 32 armed conflicts happening right now. Each of them are a warning sign to us. The end of near is near. But make no mistake, the conflict in Gaza is a blaring, it's a blaring warning that something is happening. Jesus said this also in Matthew 24, 12. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And we're witnessing a time in our nation where lawlessness abounds. This past week, the House of Representatives finally got themselves into line. They elected a new Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House is a, belongs to the Southern Baptist Convention. We won't hold that against him. But from a Christian perspective, it's a wise choice. And everything I've studied and learned about him, it's, it's a good choice for, for us who are Christians. And I, I listened to his acceptance speech last week, and I was really impressed by the fact that he didn't shy away from his commitment to Christ, that his loyalty to Christ and how that influences his governing decisions. And on Wednesday, we had another mass shooting. Of course, 18 people died and many, many uh, wounded. The new Speaker of the House was asked about shootings and his thoughts on gun control. And the Speaker gave a, a really a good answer that I admire because it's one that's shared from a b- biblical worldview. The new Speaker said this, the cause behind these mass shootings is the condition of the human heart. And as Americans, we can debate gun safety, better law enforcement, all these things, that's fine. But as Christians, we ought to be unanimous in agreement and understanding the source of murder is caused by the sinful heart. The speaker's response was, of course, ridiculed immediately by the liberal press, and, but he's absolutely right. It's even what the Bible says, Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When we look at the invasion of Israel by these terrorists, these men raped women, beheaded babies, and all that's, that's not just like TikTok lies. That's been confirmed by the State Department. I mean, I don't know if you watched this past week, but the Secretary of State and all the different officials that visited Israel confirmed these things. Of course, you have this complete disinformation that's coming out of, of wherever, that's saying that these things didn't happen. It's confirmed by our own State Department. Raped women, beheaded babies, burned people alive, and took hostages. We saw an attack on Israel and and the deceitfulness of the human heart on full display. See, that's what's fueling these things around the world. 
It's the human heart, the depths that the human heart will lower itself to without Christ. The Israelis are in a very difficult position. They're trying to protect innocent civilians while they're trying to wage war against Hamas. Hamas, on the other hand, doesn't care. They don't care about human life whatsoever. These people are willing to kill themselves in the name of Allah. So what do they do? They believe by putting civilians in the line of fire, causing unnecessary casualties, is bringing glory to God. Now, how sick and perverted is that? This is the ideology. How can you have peace with an ideology that wants your eradication and will give their lives to do so? Look around our own nation. In our, in our nation, our, our, the love of our nation has really sunk to a low level. The reason the love in our nation is growing colder it goes back to the fact that the church is falling away. When true love and true devotion for Christ wanes, human desires, human desires become more important. And humanity, like water, then will sink to its lowest level. When the Bible speaks of lawlessness, we can think about this. We think of lawlessness that's taking place in our nation right now, I'm sure. And I'm sure some of you have a picture or an image of something. We, we may think of mobs of people going into stores and, and stealing and looting, and of course then law, law officers are then commanded to just stand down and watch it take place. And we say that's lawlessness, and that is a type of lawlessness, but that's not the lawlessness we're talking about from a biblical perspective. The word Jesus used in Matthew 24 is lawlessness is the word iniquity. When man becomes a law unto themselves. When they begin to ignore the laws of God, rewrite the laws of God, they became a law unto themselves. That is an iniquity. When we trade what God has determined that is right, what is wrong, what is holy, what is not holy, what's good, what's evil, and we determine otherwise, that's an iniquity. One of the darkest days in Israel's history, if you read your Bible, you understand this, is the time of the judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Not what was right in God's eyes, but they did what was right in their own eyes. And church, that's what we have taking place in this world right now. We are becoming a lawless people, a people that are a law unto themselves. We've abandoned our first love. Jesus said this in John 14, five, if you love me, keep my commandments. For instance, if you love your spouse, you don't remain faithful to your spouse because of a vow. Nothing wrong with a vow. We, we should make vows. You stay faithful because you love them. Hey, listen, vows are broken all the time. Words are broken. But love is something that should motivate us to remain faithful. True biblical love that reflects the love of God is fleeting in our nation. It's waxing cold. And it, what is it doing? It's creating lawlessness. The Bible tells us, what, what true love looks like. You say, I think our world is very confused on what love is. I think it's because, again, we've fallen away from God and we have a very selfish perspective of what love is. But the Bible gives us a very clear definition of what look, love looks like. And here it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If we love God and others in this manner, we would not see lawlessness in our nation. Not to this level, not to this degree, 
We live in a world that wants love on its own terms, a very self-centered, selfish love, a love that gets rather than a love that gives. The human heart is fallen, and without the redeeming love of God transforming that person, our nation will continue to spiral downward morally more and more. When people who are darkened by sin, void of the love of God, what do they do? They dive deeper into their own selfishness. The Apostle Paul gives us a description of mankind, mankind that is lawless, mankind whose love has waxed cold. He gives us a clear picture of this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And here, to top it all off, they're going to have a nice dose of religion to make them think they're saved and they're going to heaven. Having a form of godliness and denying its power. Church, this is the world we're living in right now. We're seeing the devastating effects of a love that has waxed cold. We don't have to look to major cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York for lawlessness. It's right here in our own community. Lawlessness prevails right here in Holt, in Baker, in Milligan, in Crestview. We can see the love of God waxing cold in our churches. We, if we love God and our, our love is strong and it's not waxing cold, our response to our community would be different. Jesus didn't say, didn't say, listen, if you feel like it, if, if you feel the love, go out and make disciples. Remember, if we love him, we obey his commandments. No, he commanded us to go and make disciples. Whenever a church is more concerned about their own desires, their own comfort in a church, whatever, the love of God is growing cold. The love of God is growing cold in that church. And this results in lawlessness. Lawlessness that we, we ignore what God's called us to do, and we start doing our own thing. It's the message of selfless love communicated and demonstrated by the followers of Jesus that transformed pagan Roman Empire into a Christian world. I want you to think about that. Christianity prevailed during that time, in the, early, in the first 300 years of Christianity, turned a military might into a Christian empire. In the last days, men and women will be lovers of themselves. They will put their desires first, and over time, the plans and purposes of God are simply just set aside. When our love as a church waxes cold, lawlessness in the community will abound. Why are are places in the Muslim world so dark, so violent towards Christianity, towards Jews? Why are places in the Muslim world anti-Semitic, anti-Christ? Because the church full of God's love in those places has diminished. And some of those have diminished because they've simply been murdered, martyred for their faith. I want you to think about it. We should applaud missionaries and Christians who live in Muslim territory, Muslim lands, and continue to be a Christian. God bless them. They are the only source of light and darkness. What about you? Look at the word of God and compare it to your own heart. Are the actions and the attitudes that come from your heart selfless or are they selfish? Are they driven and motivated by what we want or are they driven and motivated, motivated by what God desires? There are people in our community who desperately need Jesus. Are we reaching them? 
Pastor, I, I pray for them. Church, let's be honest. If we're really praying for people, I don't know if you've had this happen to you, but if we're really praying for people, we tend to get a burden for them. And when we get a burden for them, it's just not a feeling. We, we are compelled to do something. See, it's easy to say, I pray, I pray, I pray. But when there is no love, when there is no compassion, when there is no action, I don't know about the genuineness of our prayers. It might just be word service. And if that hits us a little hard, I don't apologize for that. If we're really praying for people, the Holy Spirit will compel us to act selflessly in love in a really tangible way. So let's just kind of drop the religious facade. It's all right. Let's just be real with the Lord, humble ourselves before him. The church will become apostate. There is no doubt about that. It's prophesied there will be a great falling away. But you and I do not have to participate in it. I don't remember this. When I, I remember years ago when, when big talks of recession, recession. I remember when Republicans were, were in Congress and there was a Democratic uh, president and we're talking about recession and people said, Republicans wisely said this, just don't participate in it. And it was really wise words. You know, the, a recession, fear of recession causes people to react a certain way. Fear. But if you don't choose to be a part of it, it doesn't have any effect on you. It's amazing how that works. How much fear and lies can just propagate a lot of different responses. We as a church, listen, the falling way is going to take place, but we don't have to be a part of it, amen? It's our choice. See, when the, when the church begins to fall away, and it begins to fall away from its first love, which is Christ, it will then begin to neglect what Christ has called us to do. And there is no doubt about it, God has called us to reach the lost, reach people in our community. So what we do is first, and we say, let's, let's gauge the, the temperature or the commitment of, of, of a church's love. And this is how we do it. Is the Spirit of God moving? Well, praise God for that. We want the Spirit of God moving in our church, moving in our lives, right? Is the, is the worship vibrant? Is it, is it a place to worship? We want that to happen. But if all those things are taking place, and that church is not reaching people, it's all a bunch of baloney. It's just a bunch of religious baloney. How can we say we love God and not love the people who God's called us to reach? It does not compute. So let's allow the Holy Spirit to expose our own selfishness. We all have got it, every one of us. And sometimes it gets in the way of serving God. But let's just do this. Take, recognize our selfishness, come to the altar, and just lay it down as a sacrifice. Give it over to God. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to expose that in our hearts. Paul wrote this to the Christians in Corinth, and I think it's a verse we ought to consider. Examine yourselves, Paul writes, as to whether you are in the faith. He's not writing to unbelievers, he's writing to church folks. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Here's what I want you to do this morning, and, it's, and I pray that you are, are, are seeing the signs. And not just the, the, the war in Israel, the war that's taking place in Gaza is a no-brainer. It should be a warning sign to us all. When anything significant takes place in that part of the world, it should get your attention. But let's just take our attention while I'm not saying there's, hopefully you've heard my heart, I'm not saying to ignore what's taking place in the Middle East, but let's just look in our own world. 
You know, I don't know about you, but driving through Crestview, I understand, is an adventure. It's an adventure. It's a challenge to keep your sanity and to keep your Christianity. But also, it shows you something. It shows you this, that people get so angry over the stupidest things. That people will go to blows, pull weapons out, all because someone cut them off. That, that is an example of lawlessness. A community whose love has waxed cold. And yet, you know what? You go to Crest, you go to any area around here, there are churches everywhere. Just everywhere. A Christianized religious community, but with love that's waxing cold. That's an honest assessment. Again, we can participate in it or we cannot participate in it. It's, it's our choice.